Well, good morning, Parkhurst. It's uh, great to be uh, together with you uh, again on this Easter Sunday and get to celebrate the resurrection uh, of Jesus uh, together. Uh, I think we're all slowly getting used to this video preaching arrangement. We don't know how much longer we're going to have to do it for, uh, but <clears throat> this is our new normal uh, for a while. And I don't know if you've seen some of those uh, videos circulating uh, where uh, preachers and pastors have been doing uh, video preaching, uh, Facebook Live, Instagram, whatever else, and they've forgotten to uh, turn filters off and uh, ended up looking, uh, you know, bunny ears and all this kind of random stuff while they're trying to be serious about preaching God's Word. And um, um, my family decided that this was going to be far too bland, uh, just me standing here uh, preaching. And so they took a vote on uh, which uh, Snapchat filter would help enhance your um, church at home experience and um, so the picture that you're about to see is the one that they decided on it's me if I had a twin and a bit more hair so this is what it would look like and um, I promise you will make a full recovery from having seen that uh, but uh, luckily uh, I'm the head of this home and I vetoed that idea and so you are stuck with me without any filters and just uh, straight up unedited uh, Doug onto much uh, better things. Um, we've had the chance, uh, and as I'm sure you have had, uh, during lockdown to get up to a whole bunch of different things. Uh, and one of the things I got to do with Dan was build a, a model of the Notre Dame. Uh, he bought it himself before lockdown, and uh, we thought this would keep him busy for ages. It didn't turn out like that, but it did keep him busy for a little bit. And uh, he initially wanted some help and then he wanted to do it on his own. And I was sort of watching this process unfold and um, helped sort of from the sidelines a bit. And he got to the end of building this pretty impressive model of the Notre Dame. Uh, and there were, there were a few things on the side um, that came in this box uh, that didn't find their way into the model of the Notre Dame. And as I looked at them a bit more closely, it looked like they looked like they should have been in the model, but uh, they didn't make it in the final cut of Dan's design. And uh, I asked him, I said, you know, don't these things belong in there? And, you know, he, he couldn't answer the question. He had followed to his mind the instructions pretty clearly. And it became very clear that they were obviously not essential um, to the standing of the Notre Dame. It's still in his room. It's still looking good, standing strong, but more sturdy than the, the original at the moment. But um, all those extras, we've just kept somewhere. I don't know if he's maybe tossed them, uh, but they weren't essential to his model. And um, it got me thinking, um, reflecting on that, that the resurrection of Jesus to some people is like that. It's kind of like a non-essential thing to follow in Jesus and to faith in him. Uh, we love Jesus. We appreciate his teachings. They shape our lives. Um, we marvel at his kindness to people, the example of his life. Um, even his death on the cross, we, we love the fact that we're forgiven uh, sinners and he's come to take our place and die for us on the cross. And the resurrection, um, maybe for some people, treat it like a non-essential. And I want to talk about that a little bit more uh, this morning. Uh, just uh, because for centuries, for centuries, uh, the Christian church have said that the resurrection is central to faith in Jesus Christ. The bodily resurrection of Jesus Christ is central to our faith. It is the big deal. And uh, today I want to look at why the resurrection is uh, so important. And 
If you have a Bible or a phone, don't you want to head to 1 Corinthians chapter 15? It's a well-known and familiar passage dealing with the resurrection. And I want us to have a look at a few things that can encourage us this morning out of it. Let me make my first point and then we'll read the passage because it may have taken you a couple of seconds to get there. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. The first point is this, that everything depends on the resurrection. Why is the resurrection so important? Because everything depends on the resurrection. Let's read 1 Corinthians chapter 15 from verse 12. Now if Christ is proclaimed as raised from the dead, how can some of you say there is no resurrection from the dead? If there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ is not, has not been raised, then our proclamation is in vain, and so is your faith. Moreover, we are found to be false witnesses about God, because we have testified wrongly about God that he raised up Christ, whom he did not raise up, if in fact the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is worthless. You are still in your son, sins. Those then who have fallen asleep in Christ have also perished. If we have put our hope in Christ for this life only, we should be pitied more than anyone. That's up to verse 19. Now Paul puts it very clearly for us, very straight up right here. And he says there's five things, at least five things. I'm going to point out the first five things that he says are intimately connected um, to the resurrection. The first is that if Jesus hasn't risen from the dead, our faith is worthless. My faith is worthless. Your faith is worthless. The entire population around the world who claim Jesus as Lord and as God, our faith is worthless. This is just a sham. We're wasting our time here. You may as well be catching up on other episodes of Netflix, reading a book. You can't go for a run uh, just yet, but you, know, you could do something else because uh, your faith is worthless. You, you've, you've believed a lie. And this, this faith that we center our lives around is, is not just unhelpful. It's worthless. It adds nothing. It's of no meaning, no value, no purpose at all, no help uh, to us. It's a massive, massive statement that Paul makes. Secondly, he says that our preaching is useless and it's a waste of our time trying to convince others more than it's just been a waste of our time. It's actually wrong. It's wrong of us to try and convince others of something that's not true. My preaching is worthless. Anyone who preaches to you, Bearded Parkhurst or all around the world, every preacher getting up this morning, uh, speaking into their phones, um, you know, videoing all over the world. All of our preaching is a complete and utter waste of time if Jesus Christ is still lying in a grave just outside Jerusalem. And our attempts to persuade other people that that's true mean nothing. No matter how well-intentioned they may be, no matter how much we may want to be helping people, it's just a load of nonsense if Jesus is still in that grave. Thirdly, he says that we're still in our sins. This is this is maybe the most devastatingly personal one. We are still in our sins. Says there's, there's no hope uh, for us. There's no, there's no encouragement. Uh, you know, we can get excited. Good Friday has come and gone. Jesus died on the cross. We celebrate that. But if Jesus hasn't risen from death, that, 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 act, that sacrifice of, of pay, the payment of the penalty of our sin, the sacrifice before God, wasn't acceptable. It wasn't acceptable because God didn't raise him from 
from the dead. We are still in our sins. There is no hope for you and I uh, as sinners if Jesus is still in that grave. If he has not been resurrected, you and I are still in our sins and there is no way out. There's no hope for us. We're stuck and trapped there without any way to redemption or reconciliation with God. Fourthly, he says, those who've gone on before us, our loved ones who've departed before us, they're gone. They're lost. We're not going to see them again. You're deluded if you have any hope of any reunification with them in the new heavens and the new earth. They're gone. Those who have fallen asleep, they're just gone. They've just returned in ashes to ashes, dust to dust. They're just, they're just nothing uh, anymore. If Christ hasn't been raised, there's no hope that we will be reunited with those who have loved God, who've gone on before us. And that, that's a devastating thing for many who love Christ and who have had other, uh, others who they've loved, who have either been uh, children or who have loved the Lord, who are they're longing to see again one day. It's absolutely devastating if Jesus is still in the tomb because Paul says there's no hope that you're going to see them again and be reunited uh, with them. He says, fifthly, that we are fools and we should be pitied uh, more than anyone. We should be pitied more than anyone. That, that's pretty strong language there. But we are fools. I would have to agree with him that if Jesus is still in a grave outside Jerusalem, we are fools and we should be pitied more uh, than anyone. Because we've believed the lie, guys. We, we've, we've bought the fake news. This is the worst fake news ever. This is not uh, some of the stuff that we see circulating all over the world, the conspiracy theories. This would be the greatest fake news story ever, if it was indeed fake news. But Paul continues, and in verse 20 he says this, But as it is, but as it is, Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For since death came through a man, the resurrection of the dead also comes through a man. For just as in Adam all die, so also in Christ all will be made alive. This is real. This is real. And so I want to encourage you right out the blocks this morning that we can have hope. Um, but as it is, Christ has been raised from the dead. Paul is utterly convinced and many others that Jesus Christ was physically raised from the dead. He was willing to put his life on it. And um, we can have a real hope in a real resurrection this morning. I just want to take a quick pause in this because you may be watching and you may be thinking, Doug, you, uh, you sound, um, either you know me or maybe you don't, but you, you're thinking I'm sounding quite convinced about this resurrection. I'm almost taking it for granted uh, that this is a, a true thing. I'm making a, a outlandish claims. I'm going to make some more. Uh, but I want to encourage you, if you find yourself uh, doubting the resurrection, not fully convinced that Jesus uh, rose in bodily form uh, after his death uh, on the cross 2,000 years ago, I want to encourage you to, uh, to, to search out and to question, to explore and to research and to read and to, to apply as much energy as you possibly can, thoughtful, considered energy to, is this true? You need to research it and read up on it as if your life depended on it, because it does. Your life depends and true life depends on whether we get this right, whether this is, whether this is true. All of your life now and all of your eternity turns on whether Jesus was physically raised from the dead. And if you're not there yet in your thinking, in your belief, in your faith, I would encourage you to throw yourself into figuring out. There's a lot of reading. There's a lot of historical evidence. There's a lot of help that can help you get to a place to see that the best explanation of the facts is that Jesus rose in bodily form 
uh, from the dead three days after he was crucified. The second thing that the resurrection shows us is that it confirms the identity of Jesus. It confirms the identity of Jesus. In Paul's introduction uh, to the Romans, his letter to the Romans, he says, he says this from, chapter, uh, from verse 1 of chapter 1. Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle and set apart for the gospel of God, the gospel he promised beforehand through his prophets and the Holy Scriptures, regarding his Son, who as to his human nature was a descendant of David, and, there it is, who through the spirit of holiness was declared with power to be the Son of God by his resurrection from the dead, Jesus Christ our Lord. What is Paul saying here? Have a look at There it is in verse 4. Who through the spirit of holiness was declared with power to be the Son of God by his resurrection from the dead. What is it that, that validates the identity of Jesus? Is it his life? His teachings, his death on the cross. And Paul says it's, it's none of those things. It's the fact that post-death, the spirit of holiness, the Holy Spirit raised him from the dead. We can believe Jesus is who he says he is because the Holy Spirit raised him. The Father used the Holy Spirit to raise him from the dead. It's not that we just need good feelings and good vibes about Jesus. We may love him. He's, he's transformed our lives. He's, he's brought a lot of meaning and purpose and following his teachings adds value to us and to societies and communities around the world. And when you just look at him, there's so much to follow. There's so much to admire. Uh, in a, and, the, and the cross is a compelling story. And the promise of hope and forgiveness and reconciliation with God through the cross is all just wonderful. That's all, that's all true. But Paul's saying the, the thing that declares Jesus to actually be the Son of God is the fact that God raised him in power uh, from the dead. And so because he's done that, Jesus is who he says he is. Because God raised him uh, from the dead through the Holy Spirit, everything that Jesus says about himself is then true. Uh, he is who he says he is. He is the Son of God. Everything that he said, everything that he's promised, everything that he's taught, everything that is instructed to us is true and should be obeyed and followed, and his examples should be emulated in us. But more than that, it's that this is actually the Son of God. God did come into the world, and it's validated by the physical resurrection. The third thing I want us to see is that it's through the resurrection that we have indestructible life. It's through the resurrection that we have indestructible life. I don't know if you've uh, spent some of your lockdown catching up on tons of movies, uh, Claire and I kind of like action movies when we don't like comedies. Um, it's always a bit of a thumb war to see who gets to choose. I'm on a bit of a bad run at the moment. But we like action movies, and, but we don't like those action movies where the hero um, just never dies. And it's just, you know, the building falls on him, the car explodes, his spaceship, whatever, blows into a million pieces. You know the deal. And it's just a thing after thing after thing. And the guy just never, ever dies. You, know, you get to the end of the movie and the whole building's collapsed in there. And like there's one little finger that comes through the pile of rocks. And then you know there's a sequel coming. There's, a, you know, there's at least two or three movies that are going to milk this thing because this hero can't die, um, you know, they just keep the story going. And it's, it's unbelievable in uh, many ways. And we end up, we're still watching this stuff because we like to escape into a good story. Um, and not so much us, I'm, I'm saying 
people who watch that stuff. Uh, we then move on to the comedies because it just stuff is nonsense. But uh, uh, it, it, it's 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 lame and it's unbelievable in some ways. Uh, and yet we we do enjoy it. But this indestructible hero we just can't believe. And yet listen to what John says. John, the disciple that uh, Jesus loved, uh, says this in one John chapter five verse eleven. This is what he says. And this is the testimony that God gave us eternal life. And this life is in the Son, is in His Son. Whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have the Son of God does not have life. What is John saying here? Surely we all have life. You know, you listen to that. So whoever doesn't have the Son of God doesn't have life. You might be saying to me, but I'm... I'm watching this, I'm listening to you. I have life, you know, it's a bit curtailed at the moment, but I have life. Who are you to say? Who's God to say? I don't have life. Well, let me try and explain this a bit more clearly. We're all alive physically. We're all, um, we're all born into a physical life, and we all then have a physical death. And this is obviously, you know, front and center in our minds as we look at death tolls around the world and this coronavirus sweeps, uh, sweeps the earth uh, these things are brought front and center for us to really consider these issues of life and death. We all have a physical life and we all die a physical death, but not all of us are alive spiritually. And the Bible makes it clear that we are, we're not born spiritually alive. We're born spiritually dead. And when Jesus in John 3 is having an interaction with a guy called Nicodemus, they have this interaction about the, the fact that we need to be born again. This is a, a term that's often used in a, de, a derisive way about Christians, that they're the born agains. But, but Jesus says that you need to be born a second time. You were born from your mother, but you need a spiritual birth because you weren't born alive to God. You were born, you were born in a spiritual death. And the continuum of our lives is that you either continue in that spiritual death, which then has a physical death, and then we work out the consequences of that spiritual and physical death for all eternity, which is a separation from God because there's been no reconciliation to the life of God. Or... We are born again, Jesus says, by the Spirit of God. We're born again and we become alive to God. And we experience a spiritual rebirth. And that life, John says, that life is in the Son. That life is in the Son. It's in Jesus Christ. And it's not just a, a, a life. It says there that um, God gave us eternal life and this life is in the Son. That eternal life is not a duration thing alone. It's not like you're just going to have this life you have forever and ever, ever on repeat. And that for some people would just sound like hell on earth. It's not just a duration thing. It's a quality thing. That phrase eternal life means the life of the age. It's the age of the kingdom of God. It's, it's qualitatively different from every other kind of life because you become, we become spiritually alive to God and to the way everything is around us. And we become locked into the hope of the resurrection of the Son of God and the recreation of the entire world. And our life is in Him. It's in Jesus and it's indestructible. The resurrection proves that the life Jesus has and He offers us is indestructible. Death does its best to crush Jesus. Death does its best to crush Jesus. And what happens? Death gets crushed in the process. Satan throws everything that he has at the Son of God and crushes the physical body of Jesus. But you can't kill life. You can't kill life. You can't kill eternal life that is embodied in the Son of God. 
And that's what we see three days later. You can kill the physical body that Jesus comes in, but you can't kill life. Jesus' life is indestructible. And when we join together in that life with him, we share in an indestructible life. You could put Jesus to death, but he overcomes it by walking out of the grave because it's impossible to destroy the life that really is life. I want to share a couple of other verses with you. Paul, when he's speaking to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 1, he's speaking about the, the gospel and, and grace and, and the calling that we have. And he says this from verse 10. He says, this is now being made evident through the appearing of our Savior, Christ Jesus, who has abolished death and has brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. What has he done? He has abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. That's what Jesus does. The indestructible life that he comes to bring has abolished death. And it brings immortality in the gospel to us. The writer to the Hebrews says this in Hebrews chapter 2 from verse 14. Now since the children have flesh and blood in common. It's talking about the humanity of Jesus here. Now since the children have flesh and blood in common. Jesus also shared in these. So that through his death. He might destroy the one holding the power of death, that is the devil, and free those who were held in slavery all their lives by the fear of death. Read that again with me. That through his death he might destroy the one holding the power of death, that is the devil, and free those who were held in slavery all their lives by the fear of death. That's what Jesus comes to accomplish on the cross, a freedom for us. He breaks the power of death. That's held by the devil. He breaks that by destroying the authority and the power that the devil has over death. Breaks that by walking out of the tomb so that he can free those who've been held in slavery and lizard in the fear of death. My friends, we have nothing to fear in death. The world is gripped with a panic of death. And I'm not going to make light of it. It is a scary thing. We should not long for the death of anyone. We should grieve the death. It's an unnatural distortion in God's world and in God's plan. But we don't have anything to fear in death. Some people, many, maybe of our brothers and sisters in Christ around the world may lose their lives to this virus. It may, I'm not going to make any promises, it may come really close to us. And some of the people we love and some of our brothers and sisters in Christ may experience death as a result, if of not of this virus, of the next one. Death comes to all of us. But we have nothing to fear in death because in our faith in Him, we have been united with indestructible life. This is what the resurrection teaches and reminds us this morning, that all of this is in Jesus. And because of our faith in Him, it comes to us, my friends, you have nothing to fear in death because you are united with indestructible life. And it's a life that's only found in Jesus. Jesus says in John chapter 14, verse 6, words that you'll know well. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. I'm the way, the truth, and I am the life. There is no life outside of me. John says in his, in, in his letter, uh, who doesn't have the Son doesn't have life. If you have the Son, you have life. If you don't have the Son, you don't have life. Jesus is the way, the truth, the life. It's all in Him. There is no spiritual life. There's no indestructible life. There's no real 
hope for us outside of Jesus. The last thing I want to remind us of is that the best is still coming. The best is still coming. Have a look ahead in chapter 15 of 1 Corinthians from verse 22. It says this, For just as in Adam all die, so in Christ all will be made alive. But each in his own order, Christ the first fruits, afterward it is coming, those who belong to Christ. Then comes the end. When he hands over the kingdom to God the Father, when he abolishes all rule and all authority and power, for he must reign until he puts all his enemies under his feet. The last enemy to be abolished is death. Friends, it's still coming. We live in this now and not yet um, in between phase. Jesus has come and he has dealt a death blow to death itself and shown that by walking out of the tomb, defeating um, Satan and sin and death. And yet he's coming again. And it says that he's still going to come. And when he comes, he has to put every single last one of his enemies under his feet and fully and finally crush them. And the last one that's going to get crushed, friends, is death. And Revelation reminds us that when that day comes, there'll be no more, no more viruses, no more sickness, no more pain, no more suffering. He'll wipe every tear from our eyes. It'll be us with him in the new heavens and the new earth. There will be no more death. Life in all of its fullness, will explode and bring everything to life with him, the eternal Son of God. There will be no shadow, hint, um, pale of death anywhere to be seen because it will be fully and finally crushed by the Son of God. And we live in this in-between phase now, but the best is still coming, friends. The best is still coming and we don't know when it's going to come. We don't know when it's going to come. We don't know how much longer uh, the world has left. We don't know how much longer we have left. And so I want to urge you again and again and plead with you to get ready, to get ready to encounter um, Jesus. As we close, I want to uh, share a couple of things about how this um, translates into our lives. Uh, many of us have been spending lots of time on Zoom meetings and FaceTime and um, Skypes and a whole bunch of things trying to connect with people and work and keep these things going. And I was in a Zoom meeting the other day and I, I got there a bit early. It's the first time I think I've ever been early for a meeting um, and I had some time to kill. So I was fiddling around with the settings and I found this feature in Zoom, which you may or may not know about. I didn't know about it yet. In the settings, in the video settings, there's this thing that you can tick called touch up my appearance. Uh, touch up my appearance. That, that's just free advice. And what it does is it makes this like this kind of glow around your face. It's like it irons over the wrinkles and it just gives you a bit of, bit of help. You know, I mean, some of us need all the help we can get. Uh, and I, I press, and it just makes me look a bit weird, so I'm not, I'm not really using it. But um, I, I find it so interesting that there's a button that you can press that can touch up your appearance so that you don't actually look um, to others what you actually look like. I mean, it's a bit bizarre that, you know, they normally see you and now they see you in Zoom and they, they actually know what you look like. But anyway, it, it, it alerted me to the fact that uh, this is so much in our hearts that we, we're so fearful of appearing as we truly are. We're so fearful of appearing as we truly are. And we're so fearful of being before God with just who we are, warts and all, and being known fully by others and by God just as we are. And my friends, the gospel tells us such a different story. The gospel tells us a story that God sees us completely. He knows us intimately better than we know ourselves, and yet he loves us fully and he has loved us in spite of his full knowledge of us. Paul says in his letter to the Romans in chapter 5 verse 8 
but God proves his own love for us. He proves his own love. How? In that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. We didn't improve, get our act together, fix our stuff. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. While you hadn't touched up your appearance, while you had nothing to add, Christ died for you. That's how he shows his love for us. And maybe some of us feel that that's, that's all, all we need is a bit of a touch-up, uh, a, a bit of an improvement in our appearance, a bit of an improvement in our lifestyle, how we are. We need to be less bad people, more good people, just work on a couple of weaknesses and just, just like, almost like a couple of upgrades. Um, but friends, what we need and what the Bible makes clear is that you and I need a resurrection. You don't need retouching. You don't need upgrading. You need a resurrection. And if you haven't yet experienced that, that's what the resurrection teaches us. That's what Easter Sunday is all about. That because of what Jesus has done, that's what he offers to us is a resurrection, newness of life. And we access that through faith in Jesus. John, uh, in the beginning of his gospel, he says this, John chapter 1 verse 12. But to all who did receive him, this is Jesus, but to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. To those who received and believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, not born of anything else, but born of God. And not the will of man, the will of God. This is a gift of God that he gives to us salvation as we place faith in him. And I want to encourage you today, if you haven't yet done that, to place your faith in Jesus so that you can experience a resurrection. If you've already experienced it and you follow Jesus and you've been made alive to him, today is a day of just reaffirming that and celebrating that. Thank you, God, you've given me life that is truly life. It's indestructible. It's secure in you. And I want to live out this life with the, in all of the fullness of, of that. But if you're not there yet, and today might be the day that you take some steps to accessing uh, all of the fullness and the life that comes through the Son of God. My prayer is that today would be a day of real rejoicing, whether or not we have already committed to follow Him, that, as I said, it's just a reminder for us that thank you, God, uh, for this gift of indestructible life. And for those who may be looking in and thinking, I so want, I so want a life that is indestructible. I so want to not fear death and its consequences. I so want to live fully alive to God and to the things uh, around me and see the world differently. Today is a day I pray God would give you grace to take steps uh, towards Him. I'm going to pray in a second, but if, if that's you today and you'd like to engage more about faith in Jesus, please contact us through the various channels that we've got on YouTube and you'll see links below. We have a whole team of people who would love to discuss more with you, journey with you as you figure this out and take steps towards God. For those who are believers, you'll have a chance to uh, worship, continue worship with the lyric videos. There's kids materials below. Uh, and I want to encourage you that next Sunday, we've got a great surprise coming up for you uh, here Sunday at 9 o'clock. It's going to be uh, amazing. I'm not going to let the cat out the bag. Follow us on the social media channels and you'll hear more about it coming up this week. But let me pray for us as we close our time together. Father, I thank you this morning as we celebrate uh, Resurrection Sunday that you have, in your lavish kindness, poured out on us 
life that is truly life in Jesus Christ. That through your mercy, you have united us to him by giving us faith to believe in him and to receive from him forgiveness and life and peace and meaning and purpose. And you've completely changed our present and our eternity. And you've removed from us the fear of death and the fear of slavery. All of that is gone because we're united in you and we have nothing to fear in you. And I pray that again, as you remind us of that this morning, you would help us to live like that. Live as a people with no fear of death, with the power of sin broken over us, delighting in the resurrection of the Son of God. And I pray for my friends who may be listening today who haven't yet uh, believed that or may be wanting to today. I pray that you would help them to respond to your drawing them to yourself as you open up their eyes to see what's available in the life of Jesus Christ offered to them this morning, that they would experience this newness of life in the Son of God, Jesus Christ himself. Thank you for your lavish kindness over us. We delight and rejoice in you. We continue to bring our world before you this morning, Father, and we plead for mercy, we plead for grace, we, pre we plead for an end to this virus and for your sustaining grace in the midst of all the worldwide fallout of this uh, ridiculous uh, the pandemic that's thrown our whole world upside down. You're shaking the world. We feel shaken, but we know that you are a rock and you are steadfast and you, are know, you know what you're doing and we cast ourselves again this morning, Father, on your sovereign goodness and on your plan and say that we trust you. We feel like we're in your hand. Give us great hope and courage and faith to continue to believe in you, to trust you and to stay steadfast in you. We love you and we worship you this morning in Jesus name. Amen.